This, this knowledge, this relationship, this interacting with a real God, that's eternal life. And it starts now. And it goes on forever and ever to the end of the ages. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Have you ever dreamed of building a house? Have you ever just wondered what it would be like if you could just start from scratch and build it just the way you wanted it? Now, I see some of y'all shaking your head going, there's no way I would put myself through that. <laughs> but done that once, not doing it again. I think about the house that I would build a lot. I, I dabble in carpentry and those kind of things. And so I like to think about, you know, one day, maybe I'll get to build a house someday. Maybe it'll be a cabin in the woods someday. Maybe I'll get to build that library with the, you know, the rolling ladder that's up there where you can reach all the books and, and you have the deal with the little globe in the middle and it's just a nice place to come visit. And uh, maybe I'll get to have the shop that I've always wanted. It's laid out perfectly. Maybe I'll have that fireplace. It's that stone, just wood-burning fireplace that keeps the whole house warm miraculously. Uh, you know, you have all those little things you'd like to see if you were going to build a house. Well, of course, the planning process for building a house, or building anything for that matter, but something you're going to live in, it starts out with a dream. And you kind of visualize it. And then you start making some sketches or you have someone else make sketches. And then there's a blueprint, an architect, or you make your own and you get it all put together. And you can see and everyone else can begin to see your crazy dreams coming to fruition. And it's all working out. And then you pick the right builder. And then, you know, maybe you have to fire the builder because he wasn't the right builder after all. Then you find another builder or, you know, you go through that whole process. And then you typically, then you, then you get the right materials and you find out what's available and what the lumber market is and what's available in your area. And of course, if you're building the cabin in the woods, you have the lumber right there. You just have to know how to use an ax and be a little handy with green lumber. But anyways, we typically spend a year or two in our culture building a house that we're going to live in 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years or longer. Uh, my parents built their house uh, 40 years ago, and it took them longer than usual because they did a lot of the work themselves, and so, but here they are still in the house. So, you know, that's a good run for a house that we build ourselves, that we, that we design. But today I'm going to invite us to consider a metaphor where our days and our months and our years and our creative energy in this life in this body, are spent building a house now. A house that we'll build now that we will live in for eternity. A house that we'll build now that we'll start living in now and we'll live in, it'll be just the right house for us to live in forever and ever, amen. Now, of course, I didn't come up with this metaphor. This is Matthew's metaphor as he tells a story of Jesus. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, remember, begins to talk to us about a house that stands versus a house that's not going to survive when the floods come, when the winds blow. And what does he talk about? He says, you know, there's a wise man. He built his house this way. A foolish man built his house this, this way. And when all the things come that come to a house, the wise man's house was still there. The foolish man's no longer there. It's gone. It doesn't hold up. And the criteria then, what, what we learn is the people who are wise versus the people that are foolish are those who hear the words of Jesus and they do the words of Jesus. They perform the words of Jesus. Those people are like the wise man, Jesus says. They build his house on the rock, solid. 
when we build this way, when we hear the words of Jesus and we perform, we live the words of Jesus, it's a solid way of life. It's a house that we're building that's not going anywhere anytime soon. It withstands the flood, the wind, the tornado, and even, we learn in this story, the fires of hell. So, in Jesus' teaching, you know, Matthew really highlights Jesus as a teacher. Beautiful series, discourses of teaching all throughout Matthew's gospel. This is the final one, and he's rounding it out. This is a beautiful capstone to Jesus' teaching. It's uh, just a way, it's, it's not a parable, it is saying this is what it's really going to be like. It's a picture of reality. It's like this is what it's going to look like when it all shakes out in the end. This is the reckoning that I've been talking about, and here's what's going to happen. And so Jesus paints a picture for us and says this is what it's going to be like. And we continue to ask the question then, okay, well, if we're going to build a house like that, and we're going to live in that house now, and we're going to live in that house forever, how do, we, what do, how do we know, like, what are the materials and how do we start building and what does that look like? Well, of course, we can't just pick one thing. I mean, the whole gospel tells a lot of those criteria, but we get a really, really, really critical one today as uh, Jesus tells us this story, and we look at this picture. It's, it's not a story like a parable, like I say. It's, it's, it's the real deal. He tells us how it's really going to go in the end. Je- Jesus shows us this vision of the end. And so we have this text, this great text that Kyle read for us of a king on his glorious throne. It starts out and it's bringing all those themes in and they've been waiting for a king. They've been waiting for a Messiah. So we have this picture of the king on his glorious throne and all the angels are with him and he's sitting on this beautiful throne and you can just picture your favorite story, whether it's, you know, the return of the king and Tolkien or whatever, whatever your favorite, in, where, the, where the guy comes back and the true king is on the throne and all the false kings that were before them have been found out for who they were and all the ways they did wrong to the people. That's all been uncovered. The true king is back and he's not messing around. So the king's seated on his throne and it's like the chairman walks into the room, he assumes the position of the chair and what's the first thing he does? He gets the shepherd's crook, you know, and he, and he goes and he says, okay, by the way, I'm, I'm a shepherd and we're going to take the sheep over here, we're going to take the goats over here, and he does a little sorting. You know, if you've ever sorted livestock, it's always fun. Uh, you try to sort things out, you're swinging gates, you, you, everybody has their philosophy about the best way to sort. But here Jesus is, this glorious king, and now he's down in the pen with the sheep. And... I was curious as I was thinking about Jesus as a shepherd in Matthew. I mean, we're, we're all familiar with John saying, you know, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and that comes through really strongly and thoroughly. But I don't remember Matthew talking a lot about shepherds. So I was looking back and was going, okay, when, when does Matthew tell the story of Jesus by highlighting this role of shepherd? Well, it comes out in the very beginning, something we're about to get into the story here in a few weeks. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. And you, O Bethlehem, remember this? In the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It's quoting the prophets, right? And then later on in Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd troubled Jesus. So Jesus is already letting us know, and the prophets already let us know, that the the great and glorious king of all things is going to be, one of the ways we're going to know him is as a shepherd. It's the way he cares for us. It's the way he moves things along. 
So that's a startling metaphor. Jesus as a shepherd, who's the good king on the throne. So he goes from the throne to the sheep pen, and the next thing he does is he hides himself among ordinary people. Not just ordinary people, but people who are having a really tough time. There are two really unsuspected things, I think, in this story. The things that really just kind of make us open our eyes and go, wow, we we didn't see that twist in the story coming. Because the first part, it's like, okay, Jesus is there. He's on the throne. He's sorting the sheep and the goats. And we could just say, okay, well, you want to be a sheep. For whatever reason, the goats got a bad deal this time. Nothing I know that would make the goats bad versus just you had to separate them one way or another. They're roughly the same size. I don't know how that'll work. Maybe I'll get with Mr. Raines uh, sometime and try to figure out some, uh, some source material on this. But Anyways, we, we, this is the picture that we have. Jesus goes from the throne, he goes down to the sheep pen, and then the next step is he hides himself among ordinary people. And so the crazy thing about this story, it's not just a moralistic, like, you're good and you're bad and that's how we go, but it's the surprise. Did you, did you catch that in the reading of the text? Did you catch the surprise that ne- nobody knew it was Jesus? Everybody was shocked. The people that did well, and the people that did poorly, none of them recognized Jesus. They all were shocked. They went, well, Lord, what, we, did, we didn't ever bring you water when you were thirsty. We never came to visit you in prison. We didn't see you. And then the other group said, hey, don't get on to us. Like, we never, we ne- if we had known you were in prison, we would have come and got you out, but we didn't. We didn't. When, when did we not do that? And Jesus said, hey, if you did that or didn't do that to the least of these my brothers and sisters, then you did it unto me. And, so, and then we go, oh my gosh, we, did, we didn't see that coming. So of course that turns out to be really good news for one group and really bad news for the other group. For the one group, it's like, the, you know, it's like when you bust your tail and you work through something and you don't think you're making any headway and you're just going and you're just going, you're doing what you know you're supposed to do and you're just working and at the end of the semester, you think you're failing the class or you just did okay and the teacher comes up to you and pats you on the back and says, hey, you really epitomized a chemistry student this last semester. And you go, uh, when, professor, did I epitomize the uh, chemistry student? I don't remember that part. Oh, no, but when you did this and you came from here and you went over here. And, okay, I'm not going to stretch that one too far. But you get it. It's good news for some. It's bad news for others. And really, you know, this is a picture of heaven and hell just in the, in, in the snapshot because A picture of heaven, one picture of heaven is someone who's thirsty who gets a drink. Uh, Someone who's mourning and they're comforted. Someone who is tired and they find a place to rest. And so conversely, a picture of hell that really works, if we want to know what hell is like, a picture of hell is someone who's thirsty and there's no water. No one brings them water. A picture of hell is someone who's in prison and there's no one visiting them. There's no, there's no one reminding them of their dignity as human beings. When someone is alone and afraid and there's no one to comfort them, that's a, that's a picture of hell. So we want to know what it's like. Jesus shows us here. This is a picture of hell. And, you know, we... <laughs> We're great. Human beings have such a great imagination, and we love to try to imagine what things are going to be like 
when, when the world is different than it is now, right? When we're no longer living in this body, but we're living in uh, what Paul calls our immortal bodies. And of course, even if we're, we're not Christians and we're just talking about, people know in our gut, you know, all the poets and all the songwriters, all the movie, script, the, the script writers, they all know that we're going to live forever, right? We can't argue with that. Everyone has a sense that we're going to live forever. We know this. And so it just determines, okay, but, but what, how are we going to live forever? What's it going to be like? Is it going to be a good life forever or is it going to be a rough life forever? Uh, just some examples of this. Um, I was, uh, Ethan heard for the first time yesterday uh, the, go, the song Ghost Riders in the Sky. Do you remember, remember Ghost Riders in the Sky? I first heard it from Johnny Cash, but it was actually a 1949 song. Um, by a guy named Stan Jones. And can you, you know, you picture it, and it's this great song in the minor key, and it's the story about this old cowboy. He goes out riding one day, one dark and windy day, right? And he, and he begins to see this vision of, of, this, of the, the devil's herd and all this stuff that's happening. So it's this immortal life, but it's really bad, and it's really dark. And, and the, the line, the, the writer, this guy, I mean, he describes it. This is a hellish scene. Their face is gaunt, their eyes were blurred, their shirts all soaked with sweat. You just see it? They're just, they're, they're famished and they're sweaty and they've been working all day and they're going to do it all again tomorrow. It says, you know, they're trying hard to catch the herd, but they ain't caught them yet and they're not going to. So the warning from the immortal people to the old cowboy is, hey, you better change your ways because I'm telling you, you don't want to ride with us forever because this is a bad gig. You're never going to catch them and you're just riding all day, every day. It's no fun. I mean, it's a bad deal. So we, we grab with that. Like the Pirates of the Caribbean stories, remember that? They kind of played with that. You've got the, this whole idea of all I want to do is eat an apple and taste it, but I can't taste anything. I can't experience rest. I don't know what it's like when I'm tired. I don't know what it's like when I'm well rested. It's just this miserable existence. And of course, we have it on the other side. All the songs about the sweet by and by and what's it going to be like and, and where are we going to end up and what are we going to see uh, Drew Holcomb wrote a great song a couple of years ago that just says, I want you to live forever. That's what I want. That's what I want for everybody that I love. I want you to live forever in a, in a beautiful way. We're always trying to capture that. And so we were made for eternity. We know this. We've been created to live forever. And so we just begin to learn in this picture that Jesus paints for us that all, all of us are going to live forever but, but not everyone's going to live quite the same. So, um, speaking of the end of the world and heaven and hell and all that fun stuff, um, I was driving home last night and it was dark. And over by the hospital, there was a semi that was on the east-west part of the stop sign there. They were, they were waiting at the intersection. And it's this huge semi just right out there in front of Rolling Plains Memorial Hospital. And it's one of those that just says... You know, they took the whole side of their box and wrote, Jesus is Lord, in huge letters, right? And then below it, heaven or hell, it's your choice, right? Everyone's seen, you've all seen something like that. There's a billboard or whatever, and you know, every time you see one, you know, most of us are like, oh yeah, cheers, Jesus. Uh, we choose you. We choose Jesus. Okay, all right, now we just go back to whatever life we're living, right? We don't think about it. It's just like, no one's going to choose hell. Like, no one's going to look at that semi and be like, you know what? I'm just going to choose hell today. I'm going to do it. Like, it's probably not the best way to evangelize. I mean, it's great. Jesus is Lord. That's true. That's awesome. But all you're going to get is just a nod from a, somebody driving by on their way home going, yep, well, I'm not choosing hell today. But 
But we don't get to just choose heaven or hell and then live however we want. That's what Jesus is telling us in the story of Christianity. I mean, probably a better way of saying it is we, go, we don't get to choose heaven when the only thing shaping our wants is hell. We don't get to do that. Our wants, our desires, we were created with a heart that's capable of transformation. And what we didn't want in our former selves, we'll just say before we came through the waters of baptism, what we didn't want then can miraculously be embraced in our true selves as we're being transformed into the image of Christ. So, yeah, before, the first priority we had was not the kingdom of heaven. It was not the kingdom of God. We had other things that we were interested in. And Jesus is making a way to say, you've got to make room when you build your house. You've got to make room for heaven. Because if you can't enjoy heaven now, if you can't build a house that has room for heaven that looks like this now, then you're going to be miserable forever and ever. Because this is what my house looks like. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. It's the point in the story we realize that the real sins that really, really, really get to us, and I mean, we don't make light of any sin, but the ones that really get us are what we call sins of omission. Right? That's why we have this great prayer of confession before communion that not only asks for forgiveness for the things that we did that we know we shouldn't do, but the things that we didn't do that we knew we should have done. The opportunities that we had that we walked by because I was too busy. The opportunities that we had that we walked by because I just didn't think there was any way to make that work and just didn't want to mess with it or whatever happened. Or we just didn't, flat didn't see it because we were distracted. We don't want to create an environment of anxiety where we're just worried about, oh gosh, are we missing, are we not getting, are we not whatever. You know, we, we don't, we're, not, we're not walking a tightrope here. There's room for us to be ourselves and walk and run even. But it is a bit of a narrow way. And this is what Jesus says. Like, not everyone's going to choose this way. I mean, the way is broad that leads to destruction. We all know anybody can find that. But it's going to take a little more calculation. It's a little more careful. You've got to walk and you've got to have people around you because you're going to trip and fall. So you have people that are going to pick you up and, you know, dust you off and help you keep walking. We want an openness. We want an awareness. Um, decision to live in the real world. Even Joshua, you think about the great thing, you know, you see it in a lot of houses where it quotes Joshua 24, 15, choose this day whom you will serve. And Joshua puts this question to the people and he says, hey, people are going to be over here worshiping false gods. That's not going to go away. But y'all got to decide today, who are you going to serve? But the key there, again, is not choose who you're going to write down on your eternal ballot when it comes to you and it's that moment you want heaven or hell but it's choose how are you going to live I mean, what, who are you going to serve like who's going to be your God who's going to determine whether we're living this way or that way and because it's just cra it's shock when we realize Jesus said hey I was I was naked and you didn't clothe me and and we we stand back and we go Jesus we never would have done that we would never keep clothes. When I had two coats, I would have never not given you my coat, Jesus. Why didn't you just say something? I would have never done that on purpose. Right? Does it start sounding like, I would, we would have never known that it was you, Jesus, and done something. We didn't mean to.
so everyone's surprised. There's a lot of celebrating. There's a lot of joy. There's also a lot of sorrow. And this is the world that we live in. This is the point we're at. But we still hold the keys. We do have the volition. We can choose. We can start building our house a certain way that we can really live in for eternity. Because the witness here, you know, the gospel, the good news, in spite of all that we've missed and all that we've caught and all that's yet to come, the answer, the justice here to all the world, because, again, one of the ways to read this story is a very merciful story for people maybe that weren't raised in the church. What about people that weren't even raised to know Christianity? They were raised a whole other way to think of God as some monster, and it was so other way, but they showed hospitality to a persecuted Christian in Egypt. And can you imagine at Judgment Day, Jesus saying to them, hey, when I was being persecuted and I was in prison, you came to visit me. You showed mercy on me. You didn't even know me as a God, and you did this act of kindness to one of the least of these, my brothers, my sisters. It turns into a very hopeful story to those who may not have had the opportunities we've had to respond to Christ. And it makes you wonder how many of those people we will see uh, that they will be walking through with the decisions that they've made. It's good news for all people. And the image that we're left with, you know, at the end of the story is there's the king on the throne. At first he's a shepherd, and then he's hidden in the lives of ordinary people like us and those who are really struggling and suffering. And then Jesus is crucified. So the crucified Lord Jesus, this is a vision we're left with. The crucified Lord Jesus was imprisoned He was stripped naked, he was hungry, he was thirsty, and he died alone between two criminals. Jesus was a stranger who was not recognized, and he was not welcomed. But the vision of this kind of king encourages us in the work that we find ourselves in today. In every age, In every season of our life, we will have new opportunities. In every season of our life, we will learn things. We will have epiphanies, and we will see people that we never saw before. And in some cases, we will find ourselves looking for people that we never cared about before. And it's a change. So if eternity begins here, and it begins now, you know, John Jesus tells us this in John's gospel in chapter 17 in his farewell address. Uh, Look, this is eternal life, that you may know God, that you may know Jesus, that you may know me, the one true son. This, This knowledge, this relationship, this interacting with a real God, that's eternal life. And it starts now. And it goes on forever and ever to the end of the ages. And so if eternity begins here and it begins now, and we are building a house now that we're going to live in forever, Let's review our blueprints together, and let's highlight a couple of things. So in light of this judgment scene, let's check our blueprints and make sure we build a porch for welcoming the stranger. Let's build a closet for clothing the naked and build a bed just like we've always wanted for the sick to rest in. Build a sitting room to remind the prisoner that they have dignity. And finally, let's build a big table, you know, 
plane it down just right, and let the character of the wood be the centerpiece. Build a big table where the hungry and thirsty can eat and drink, as Isaiah prophesied, without price. And best of all, Jesus will surprise us too. He will have been our guest all along, and then he will take over as the host, and he will reign forever and ever. Amen.